Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. All right, everybody, we roll all the way till 3 o'clock today. Thank you for tuning us in and the others out. Uh, we're going to uh, switch gears again. That was fun talking to Tony. Uh, Hooked on Golf, by the way, is Tony Coralogas' uh, site. It's a terrific site if you are a golfer, and uh, it really uh, it'll be very, very helpful. Uh, it's a great site with great information, instruction, all kinds of things. It's good. Uh, we go now to Seth Gruen. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun having Seth on the show. He's been a great guest and a friend of the show uh, now for a few years. Uh, he comes to us on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Hello, Seth. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing terrific. Uh, so it is the Cubs home opener tonight. And now checking, as we do, a weather forecast thunderstorms in the area have you seen that yeah i mean i can look out my window it's it's pretty <laughs> gloomy so uh you know hopefully it literally doesn't rain on their parade because i know that uh, the cubs were looking forward to this one and while they have obviously crafted not only one of the best organizations in baseball but in sports altogether uh, they have little control over the weather so uh hoping for the best for those guys they deserve uh you know a great welcoming or and a great ring ceremony so we'll see what happens with the weather yeah hopefully everything goes good uh, i saw sports center was there camped up all day as they uh bring coverage but the rains could halt that you know at the very least though those fans they're gonna find a nice watering hole to get all lubed up and ready for D- does it really feel like i had a couple of people say it almost felt like a playoff atmosphere mm-hmm. down there today for the home opener Are you getting that kind of vibe too seth you know, I don't, I don't live in Wrigleyville, but certainly I, I can tell you just based on, you know, doing TV here um, and just walking around that people are certainly excited about uh, this season. I think that obviously tonight, if it goes off, will represent a major accomplishment and a seminal moment in the history of the organization. We all know that. Right. But I think the excitement now surrounds, uh, you know, surrounds the idea that this could be one of the great dynasties in baseball history. Um, the, this, the, the core of this team is under team control for several more years, and I think the expectation here is they could add a couple more of these things. So, you know, now we, we were looking to break – the Cubs were looking to break history last year, and now they're looking to make it. Well, you're not kidding there. Uh, and they're the favorite uh, – all the odds makers, as you well know, have them penciled in as getting back – Look, everybody knows how difficult it is to repeat in sports uh, on the on the professional level. But for me, I think baseball may be the most difficult just because of the amount of games that are played throughout the course of the season. And then you could get bumped out in a in a short playoff uh, like in the first round. Yeah, well, look, certainly I think that it's difficult to repeat in, in this day and age in any of the major professional leagues. Um, they all have, you know, certain elements to them which make that difficult. Now, there's no salary cap in baseball, so obviously mm-hmm. certain teams can uh, spend exponentially more than others. But that said, um, you know, I think every team is vulnerable, and if one or two of the Cubs' starting pitchers goes down with an injury, that could severely damper uh, their chances in October. So, you know, health is obviously something that's, out of every team's control, and certainly when those injuries happen, um, 
are, are equally as uncontrollable. So, you know, assuming that they get some timely help heading into October, yeah, I, I think they're the sexy pick. But that said, you know, I think that they're unquestionably going to win the NL Central and make the playoffs. But I think the, the NL uh, on the top end is a little bit better. The Nationals got better by going out and trading for Adam Eaton. I think Bryce Harper is going to get better. I think you've got to believe that the Mets are going to be healthier than they were last year. That starting rotation was just decimated by injury, unlike any we've seen in recent memory or any 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 top top rotation we've seen in recent memory. And then, you know, you look at a team like the Giants who went out and added Mark Melanson, and I know he didn't have a great debut for San Francisco, obviously blowing that save. But that's a guy who's had 110 or so saves over the past three seasons um, and, and a position that they sorely uh, needed to fill this offseason. I think if you look at that NLDS, had the Giants had a closer, well, maybe the Cubs are mm-hmm. still working on breaking that streak of futility. Mm-hmm. So the NL is better. I think that, you know, obviously getting over that historical hump um, presented its own challenges to the Cubs. But strictly in terms of the on-the-field competition, I think this is going to be a little bit tougher October, uh, you know, than, than last year. Yesterday, uh, Jake Arrieta made his 100th career start with the Cubs. Another great showing out of him. Goes sevens, 10 strikeouts in the game, and picks up the victory for the Cubbies. Still, the uh, question remains what the future of Jake Arrieta is going to be. Do you expect any way at all that they're going to be able to come up with a contract extension, or do you think at the very least he's going to go to free agency? Maybe it'll be a re-signing with the Cubs, but what do you think the future is going to be for Arrieta after his contract finishes up? I don't necessarily see him being in Chicago. I think all indications over the past few years have been that he's probably not in the Cubs' plans. Um, you know, he he's a guy who's seeking two hundred million dollars plus, which you you're not going to want to give to a guy who's thirty three. He just it just happened for him a little later than it than it did for you know guys like David Price or Zach Greinke or or other pitchers who you know got those huge contracts. And I just don't think that the Cubs are going to want to commit that, that kind of money to him. And I think that was, that was, that's was that been evident for, for a couple of years now uh, with their unwillingness. I shouldn't say unwillingness, but um, a lack of motivation to engage in some serious contract talks with him. Having a conversation right now with Seth Gruen here on the Draft House 50 hotline. Uh, Major League Baseball in general here in the Central Division. It's the Cubs, then is it, the Cardinals, then the Pirates, are, are they going to be in the equation or will the Cubs run away and hide? I'm, I'm pretty sure the Cubs are going to run away and hide. They're just so far and away more talented than, than the rest of the division. And then I think it, it boils down to uh, how you're going to be able to compete in the wild card. I expect the Cardinals to be in that wild card conversation. Look, they, they pretty much are in the playoff conversation every year. I think adding Dexter Fowler is huge for them. Last season was the most uncardinal-like team I've seen in a while. They hit a lot of home runs and they couldn't win at home. You know, this is a team that uh, has been able to manufacture runs successfully. And I think the the teams that are at power slumps, speed doesn't, and the ability to obviously get on base and draw walks doesn't. And the Cardinals have been able to do those latter two things as well as anyone in baseball. And I think that's the reason we've seen them so consistently successful, maybe more consistently successful than any other team in baseball. So I expect the Cardinals to be there, but it's going to be a competitive wild card. You look at uh, the Nationals and Mets, whichever team 
uh, doesn't win that division is going to be there for the wild card. Obviously, the NL West is a two-team race with the Giants and Dodgers, so they're going to be competitive. Um, so it, it's not going to be easy uh, for whichever NL Central team uh, comes in second in that division. But uh, certainly, I believe in the Cardinals' ability to uh, to compete for a playoff spot. In the National League, a few surprises out there too in the uh, Central with. Cincinnati off to a 4-2 and two start, a couple out west, Arizona, Colorado, often nice starts as well. Do you see any staying power out of the Reds, the Diamondbacks, or the Rockies, or is it just a blip on 162-game radar? It's just a blip. I was asked this question actually a few hours ago, and it, it's just really hard for me after a week to say I think this team uh, is going to shock some people. I think the dynamic in baseball now is such that there are a lot of teams that are just in rebuilding mode, um, so you can scratch a lot of them, you know, off that list of contenders. And, and, you know, these are teams, obviously. Look, the Diamondbacks, I know, that Shelby Miller trade kind of thought he was the piece to contending in the NL West. But I just see them as so far off from the Dodgers and Giants that, you know, the Diamondbacks could have a similar year to that which the Mariners did last year, where at times during the season they could compete in the NL West and, and look as if they are contenders. But I just don't see them as having that that same kind of consistency, if you recall, the Mariners kind of dipped mm-hmm. um, really in June and July, if I remember, if, if my memory serves me correctly. So I see the Diamondbacks as potentially having that kind of arc to their season, and maybe come September we'll see them charge again and, and maybe talk about them as a potential playoff contender. Um, but, but again, yeah, I, I don't really see that the Diamondbacks or the Rockies as, as significant threats. Uh, so you're basically saying we should just all sit back and relax. Washington in the East, Chicago in the Central, L.A. in the West in the National League. In the American League, Boston in the Central, Cleveland. In the West, uh, let's go Texas or Houston. And the rest of the teams are garbage, right? Well, you know, I, I think the American League and National League um, are operating under sort of two different plot lines. Okay. Half the National League teams are in rebuilding mode. All right. So that 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 certainly makes the National League more top-heavy and less compelling. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I don't think that the Central is going to be very compelling. But don't forget, you get rewarded heavily for winning the division. You don't have to play on that one-game wild card. So certainly those series between the Giants and Dodgers are going to mean something. I don't think that, that division uh, is decided by any means. Um, you know, certainly in the East, series between the Mets and the Nationals are going to be interesting. And then I think when you flip over to the AL, you know, there's a little bit more compelling theater there. Do I, do I think the Indians are, are probably the odds-on favorite to win the Central? Yeah. But you look at the AL East, I think it's hard to pick any team there. You know, the Yankees, obviously we know how they charge in the second half of the season. Yeah. They've got a lot of young talent. Boston added Chris Dale. They're probably the favorite, but by no means do I think that they are – uh, you know, the the odds-on favorite. I think Toronto is going to compete, and I think Baltimore has found a way to compete with its outstanding bullpen. So that, to me, uh, is going to provide us with great theater. I, th- I think almost every AL East game is one to watch, um, and, and teams are really going to play those games as if, you know, they're September with a September-like feel. I think, simul- you know, simultaneously, the AL West, the Astros made some moves to compete this year. And I don't think that the Rangers are necessarily going to run away with it. So, you know, that's a two and even three team race. If you believe in the Seattle Mariners, I know that they 
lost a horrendous game last night, but it's, you know that's that's one of 162. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that there's some compelling theater on the American League side, but uh, you know, and less so on the National League side. But all these all these teams, all these kind of upper tier teams, I think, are going to combine to make another another outstanding October um, this season as well. Seth, before we uh, let you run, let's jump over to another one of your expertise from baseball over to a little Big Ten talk. You got a new podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah, unfiltered. Yeah. Uh, excited to yeah. give a listen. I know you have been talking about some draft prospects, getting into the football side of things. Sure, a lot of basketball in there as well. But before we kind of dig in, tell us a little bit about the new venture. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you giving me the time to do that. Right now we're, uh, we're doing a podcast once a week, and uh, it's three segments. I myself kind of, you know, opine on, on different topics in, in the first and third segments. And on uh, the second segment, we have a guest uh, in and around the Big Ten, um, whether that be a player or a writer or a coach. So looking forward to, you know, serving a, a community that I think nationally is, is largely underserved. I think the SEC is often championed as having the most passionate fans. But I think having covered the Big Ten for the Chicago Sun-Times in a previous stop, fans in the Big Ten are just as passionate, if not more so. I think it's a little bit more of a unique dynamic in that there are bigger cities in the Big Ten with professional teams that, that, that compete um, for your attention. But uh, come Saturdays, I live in Chicago, and uh, you can just see everybody – decked out in their Iowa gear or Illinois gear, Indiana gear, Wisconsin gear. So there's a lot of passion and, you know, hope to serve those fans. And, and I would encourage everybody to go to iTunes and Google Play, search Big Ten Unfiltered and subscribe. Awesome, pal. It sounds like a plan to me. Hey, quickly, before we let you run, uh, Trent and I did a conversation on uh, Iowa baseball and mm -hmm. they, they're, they've been hot. They get the Northwestern, they win the first game pretty easily, and then they get beaten the last two. What the heck happened there? Yeah, I don't know. You know, college baseball is, is somewhat funny. I think, uh, what was it, two years ago now, Illinois went undefeated through the entire month of April and kind of laid an egg against Vanderbilt at home in the uh, NCAA tournament. So I, I think that um, it's pitching heavy. And, and, and look, like, like Major League Baseball, you're – momentum is the next day's starter. So, uh, you know, teams can run hot and cold, obviously, in college baseball with the metal bats that has a different dynamic. But, you know, who knows? Uh, I looked at the standings the other day, and it looks like it's anybody's conference. There's no real dominant team like, like that Illinois team I alluded to. So, who knows, maybe Iowa could end up representing the Big Ten in uh, the NCAA tournament in a couple months. Seth, with a uh, look to the NFL draft, I know you've uh, talked a little bit on your podcast about your Bill Peppers and a guy that we saw, certainly the uh, dynamic playmaker that he can be on both sides of the football at Michigan. But the question remains, what is he going to be at the next level? As you've uh, talked to a number of different people, what are some of the answers that you've got when you look at Peppers moving on to the NFL? Well, definitively, it's as a return specialist. I think sort of scouts agree unilaterally that he's going to be able to help your team in the return game. Uh, that said, beyond that, you know, it, it depends. A lot of people are split. You know, you, you play him you know, as a safety kind of in the box on early downs, or is he better off as, you know, a pass-rushing linebacker on third down? Um, a lot. Some, some think that you got to create an offensive package for him. He's a very 
unique player. I think, I think, you know, similar profile to Devin Hester, a guy with this just insane athletic ability that you want to be able to appropriately use beyond special teams, but has a few question marks associated with him, whether, you know, in, in Devin Hester's case, it was his route running and coverage ability in Jabril Pepper's case. I think a lot of people are concerned about his tackling ability in space, even though I know Jim Harbaugh likes to champion him. Champion him as one of the best tacklers in the Big Ten. There are certainly some deficiencies in that area. So it's going to take a creative uh, coach at the next level to be able to employ him appropriately. But there's a lot of athletic ability there. There's a lot of potential. Um, but oftentimes with potential, you know, come a lot of pitfalls because uh, when you're talking about potential, it means that somebody isn't necessarily a sure thing or a finished product. Yeah, generally just potential gets coaches fired. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, look, that's, that's very true. Mm-hmm. That's very true, which which may, you know, cause some teams to shy away from Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Right now, he's a fringe first-round pick. He very well could fall into the second round. Great having you on the show. Before we cut you loose, look out your window again as we'll get an official weather forecast <laughs> for the Cubs opener tonight. Yeah, it's pretty, I see a little sun peeking ah. out. I see a little sun, but there, yeah. there are some gray clouds. Um, you know, I, 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 we'll, we'll monitor this thing closely and uh, hopefully hopefully, all is well for those uh, heading to Wrigley Field tonight. Welcome back, everybody. We uh, are done at the top of the hour, but we have plenty of time to get into uh, lots of topics. We'll do like a little uh, fly around and just uh, let everybody in on what went down over the weekend and what to look forward to the rest of the week. Let's start first with a recap quickly. Your thoughts of what you saw with Iowa at Valley Stadium on Friday night. Well, like I uh, talked about at the top, uh, didn't see a whole lot. <laughs> Did, didn't see a whole lot, not because there wasn't things to be seen. There, there certainly was, but I had a uh, 22-month-old, and I she... See was not very interested in, in seeing what the football guys had to do. Anything so. in the, else in the stadium except football. Right? <laughs> Abs- absolutely. A lot of running around, yeah. a lot of craziness, yeah. but no, we had a good time and uh, you know, got the pictures taken in front of Floyd or Rosedale and the Cyhawk Trophy. Okay. They had the uh, also the offensive line trophy. Mm-hmm. That thing is monstrous. Yeah. The Joe Moore Trophy. I saw that. It, it is it's like huge. It's, it's as tall as us. It's bigger than you. <laughs> Probably weighs more as well. That thing is absolutely monstrous. But, uh, you know, to, you know, just kind of recap, I I did see a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that jumped off is I told you from the get go. Yeah, they're saying this is a quarterback competition. Yeah. I wasn't blown away with Nathan Stanley. It didn't look like the gap was certainly as big as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Between him and Wiggers. Right. right. Okay. Drew Cook has come a long way. Okay. And Drew Cook's a guy that for everybody. I mean, even even you, Jim, because you weren't around during the time, but you think Marv Cook, you think NFL tight end, yeah, absolutely. And yes. that's his dad. Yeah. So though he was a quarterback at Iowa City, Regina, highly yeah. successful, all those different things, good size. I think most everybody had him ticketed. Well, all right, he'll try it, uh-huh. and then he'll make his way to tight end. But the improvement that he's made from where he was a year ago to today, mm-hmm. he's made some big leaps there. The problem is. He's a redshirt sophomore. Nathan Stanley's a true sophomore. They're in the same class now. Okay. And because of that, 
Where is the playing time going to come from? So he's made the improvements that you want to see. He's taken a lot of step forwards, I think. And, you know, he had a little bit of a kind of a longer release, a little kind of odd hitch in there. Right. That's gone away. You can see mechanically he's really cleaned a lot of things up. And it's kind of disappointing, I'm sure, for him because he looks up and sees two guys ahead of him. Right. Including somebody that's now in his class. But, you know, the decision now needs to be made. After we get through spring football here, if Uyghurs is going to stick around, you look at the depth chart, you're number three. Do you make that move? Mm-hmm. You have the size. Tight end, though, is a spot that Iowa has a ton of depth, too. You know, what, what else can he play? Yeah. He's a guy that was a quarterback throughout his high school career, much like we talked about with Joel Lanning. Yes. He hadn't played defense in a number of years. You know, same thing with Drew Cook. Do you go to tight end where your dad played? Well, then you're kind of left with, look at the guys they have there. I mean, you look up and down the roster, there are five, six guys yeah, right now at tight end. Yeah, they're loaded in that spot. That, that you feel good about, and a bunch of guys that can do different things from athletic pass-catching guys. We saw Noah Font last year. Mm-hmm. I love TJ Hawkinson, the kid that you know played 3A football, and he was just such a great athlete. It reminded me a lot of Brandon Myers. Okay. And remember, Brandon yeah. Myers went on and played for the Raiders right. for a long time and Buccaneers and played in the NFL for nearly a decade. You know, a lot of similar attributes. Good size, six foot five, but the athleticism to go along with it, and I think you see that with Hawkinson, you got uh, Peter Picari, you got Weeding. I mean, they have so many guys. John Wisniewski, the kid from Dowling sure. Catholic, where even if Drew Cook would look at it and say, maybe I should make a move, well, the place you'd think is tight end, there's a lot of competition there, too. So right. it's got to be a difficult sp- spot for him, but uh, back to Stanley for a moment. He's fine. Yeah. Uyghurs has improved, though. Okay. He's made improvements too. He made an impression on you then. We yeah. just 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 with watching what they did at Valley Stadium. Right. He made an impression that okay, maybe he's, he's getting better. Not as bad as what I. He's not remembered. a throwaway. Yeah. He's right. Just, he's not a throwaway. He's, he's okay. not a guy that you say all right. He, if he sticks around, he's yeah, just going to ride the yeah. bench. He, at the very least, I think could be adequate if if an injury would happen to Stanley. That's not yeah. to say that Stanley, you know, wasn't impressive in the size and all the things. He just got a ways to go. Remember, this is first spring practice that he's gone through. Kid mm-hmm. just got on campus back last summer. Yeah. So you're asking a lot out of the guy. He's very talented, there's no doubt. But the gap certainly wasn't as large as I anticipated there. And then you get to the other spots. I mean, wide receiver. They're down to two now. I know. They're down to two. <laughs> well, when you got a guy who gets busted for not going to class. Right. You know, that's that's ridiculous as it is anyway. Look, all you got to do is just make a C. You can get a C pretty much just writing your name and with a little help from the tutor that every sport in every college has. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult. So uh, that's that's unbelievable that they're down to two scholarship guys. Yeah. Nuts. Adrian Snyder Falconer. ACL. No, no. Adrian Falconer, he looks the part. Yeah. Uh, he He's fine. Yeah. yeah. He's fine. Yeah. You go through, Nick Easley was kind of what you'd expect, a little undersized guy out there making plays, and he's going to have a role, I'm sure, on this team. But now it becomes, of that group coming in, out of the freshmen, and they're bringing in a bunch of them. They are. Who's going to be ready to play right away? Yeah. From Brandon Smith, the kid from Mississippi, that physically certainly looks the he part. He looks the part, yeah. yes. At six foot three, yeah. good speed, 210 pounds. I mean, here's your prototypical wide receiver, but I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen these guys that have come in and... And it takes a while to get acclimated, not mm-hmm. just the speed of the game, but understanding 
the route trees and the difference in an offense, even a Greg Davis offense, sure. <laughs> compared to what you play in high school. High school is uh, go get open. Well, and you're going to run a seven route here. Yeah, right? and you don't have a little pimply faced sophomore trying to cover right, you. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're playing Big Ten football here, yeah. so there there is a difference in that. It it is uh, kind of what it is. Uh, the offensive line was good. Uh-huh. I, I think there was some depth that you can see starting to be built there. That was good to see. Right, mentioned Alaric Jackson. You know him out there. Those kind of guys. Uh, you got the uh, one of the Paulson brothers are out there. I think the depth is coming along along the offensive line, and that's always necessary because outside of 2002, there's always injuries on the always, offensive line. Always, never fails. You got never guys fails. rolling up on you from behind. I mean, mm. they're just always things that happen. So it's good to see that depth being built. Akron Wadley, sure. you, you, you know you what know. you got there. Yeah. It's going to come down to Nathan Stanley. How much in command of the new playbook is he going to have? And then secondly, you know, wide receivers, who's going to be able to step up? Uh, so still the questions are there. We'll see a little bit more here in a couple of weeks as they'll go out there for their final practice. Uh, that, what is it, uh, a week from Friday. Right. Over in Iowa City as they'll be having that on Friday night. But overall, you know, more is about the experience. It was about uh, just seeing the Hawkeyes out on the field. Always a cool event. They do a great job with it. A lot of fun keeping uh, people acclimated. You had uh, some of the players, former players that were there. Chuck Long was out there. They interviewed him, you know, in between sets. Right. And uh, seeing the Hawkeyes run around. Fun. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. All right, the Iowa State game, uh, they got a great day to have it. Had a nice crowd show up. And... Look, it's pretty much what you would anticipate from a spring game. A couple of pretty good plays, a couple of really bad plays, but that happens. Jacob Park threw it around a little bit. Mike mm-hmm. Warren ripped off a nice touchdown run and took it into the end zone. You know, he looks like Mike Warren again. Sure. What, what fans remembered from his first year and when he ran for what, over... Was it fifteen or twelve hundred? One of right, right in there, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred yards, and, uh, and and so that's a big plus for that offense. You know what you have in the wide receivers, and ironically enough, Jacob Park gets picked off. Now it's tipped; the ball's tipped. Yep. But Joel Lanning, with the hands that he has from being a quarterback all those years. Like it was nothing, just grabbed it out of the air from his linebacker position and just took off, and nobody was going to get him. And mm-hmm. he ran into the end zone for a touchdown. So, look, you can't you can't sit here at Iowa State and say, oh, man, we're going to win eight games. Just No, you can't do that. But there were a lot of positives that came out of that spring game. Yeah. And once again, it's going to be... How well does the offensive line hold up so that Park has a chance to throw? B, can their running game get going? And C, you always talk about this, what's going to happen on the defensive line? Yeah, Are the linebackers going to have a chance to make a play? Or are they just going to get steamrolled because the defensive line can't control anybody's offensive line? Those are the things that I think Iowa State fans have to be concerned about. So, Jim, uh, that offensive line, I, Sean Foster. Yeah, you know they were very close a year ago to playing him as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were 
they were almost going down that road. Right. And they decided, you know what, at this point, doesn't make sense. It was a little bit later on. This is a guy, though, that had a lot of big offers coming out. He was a four-star with a couple of the scouting services out there. Yep. Matt Campbell didn't have a whole lot of time going back a year before his first, you know, j- just a couple months on the job to pull him together. And, and that's a kid that absolutely looks the part right now. And there has to be a lot of excitement about that. You know, the offensive line, after the improvements that we saw a year ago, uh, afterwards, Campbell said it's going to be the same as what they have. Now, sure. we know Dawson's coming in this summer. Right. Yep. Brad transferred from Michigan, but yep. you got Foster on the left side, Garcia, Good Jones at center, who did a good job last year as a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. Adagu, and then uh, Meeker at the right tackle position, right. another guy that played a lot last year as a redshirt freshman. It's going to be a young offensive line. And I think Dawson coming in certainly is going to help that, even if he's not a guy that jumps in right away and is able to play all 12, 13 games. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you know, you got a veteran presence, a guy that can help people along. Guy's talented enough. He's not a surefire NFL player or anything like that. There's a reason he's leaving Michigan for his final season, but still, this is going to help that offensive line, even if it's not in terms of snaps. Right. He's going to be able to be a guy, maybe that can be a swing guy. He's played multiple positions inside. That can help out again if that injury bug continues on. That's it. But uh, the continuity of the offensive line, you welcome Dawson in. If you can get anything out of Jake Campos this year, the pieces are in place for this offensive yes. line to be very good. And if that's the case, yeah. we both feel good about Park, yep. right? Yep. We feel good about the running game. Yes, we do. And we know the wideouts yes. are going to make big plays. So, yeah. This is an offense that can score. Yeah. yeah. Can you, they stop anybody? You, well, <laughs> just, just one or two stops a game. Right, right. <laughs> so you go back to, what was it, the Baylor game. Oh, <laughs> oh. Just get a stop. Come on. Please, just one stop. Just get one. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it no. done. Uh-uh. Uh, they're bringing the pieces in, but they're going to be young and inexperienced, most importantly, on that side of the football. It's going to be an entertaining team, though. I think so. I think this I think is going to be a very team. entertaining. It's going to yeah. run up and down the field. Yes, they're going to they score will. points. They're going to have plenty of opportunities. It's, I can see the excitement as it starts to build. Sure. I'm so happy I bought all that Matt Campbell stock that people are selling. Well, they're selling it big time, and they should. Is it still kind of uh, in your mind that they could get out of non-conference at two and one? Oh yeah, and still be a, a six-win season. Yeah, yeah. They get out three and zero. Oh, oh people yeah. will really start to feel good. Can't bar the doors. I mean, yeah, yeah. People are going to be talking oh, crazy. Yeah. You know how that. Goes, I know. I know. You that. know how that yep, goes. That'll but, work. Yeah, even at two and one, I think that's minimum what you got to get to to have a realistic chance of a bowl game, but. But still, you, you look around, Oklahoma, we know, is going to be very good and very talented. Oklahoma State, I really like that team. I think K-State will be pretty good. But overall, after that, you know, Texas with the new regime there. Texas Tech, we talked about this last week, Jim. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury basically fighting for his life. TCU looks like maybe a little bit of a rebuild there. And and you go on and on looking at this team and, and what they have in the competition in the Big 12. There's an opportunity there to win yeah. three, four, maybe five games in conference. You do that. You're going bowling. Mm-hmm. You're going bowling this season. And uh, year number two, that is a big step forward That's for Matt huge. Campbell. That is huge. Uh, some of the national stories that we're just quickly recapping before we are done for the day. Uh, look, it was riveting theater at the Masters. And when Matt Kuchar sank the hole in one, man, oh, man, that was extra special. And then the duel down the stretch. And then to have both of them miss at 18. Mm-hmm. And then the eight, uh, the eighteenth hole is where they began the playoff, and then to have Justin Rhodes hit it in the woods, a guy who is Mister Cool, right? I mean, he's won tournaments, big. He's won majors. He's played great in the Presidents' Cups, 
and then to have Sergio drive it, the guy who you would think would be the shakiest, mm-hmm. drives it right down the heart of the fairway and then sticks it on the green like eight feet away. So Sergio's been a guy that I've always loved. I've li- I've liked him ever since he came on the tour. He, uh, Me and him are the same age. Okay. So that was the first thing. So as he was going through things, and I remember seeing him for the first time, I think he was like 16, I'm out at the golf course working, and I look up at the TV, and hey, there's a kid my age. Yeah. yeah. How great is this? So I, I've always enjoyed Sergio, um, always, you know, so close, and the disappointment, and, and then for years, almost not disappearing, because he's always a name that you know. Sure. But he just wasn't up there at the top of leaderboard. No, but he he's won tournaments and he's but he's just never won a major, right? And he's been great in Presidents Cup play, mm-hmm. but he's just never won a major. And he has been close, and then the tight collar would get him, right? And I think everybody thought, oh my God, it's going to happen again, and it didn't. And that was terrific theater. It was. Yeah, it really was. One of the, uh, one of the ones that I'm sure I'll probably remember for a long yeah, time watching I think that so. and, and watching Sergio finally get it done. Always, uh, like I said, always been a fan of him and, and the Masters. It just, it, it delivers every year. Uh huh. And it's just, you know, the, the sights of it, all the announcers, Vern up at 16 oh, in the yeah. tower, Nance. You know, one thing I did see last night, did you see the picture of the actual awards presentation? Uh, it, no. And you got all the former winners back behind, the people in their green jackets sitting back there, and then they hand off the trophies right. and things like that. Instead of sitting in Butler Cabin, and that, it's always awkward. It's always weird. You know, why don't they just show that on TV instead yeah. of that weird... I don't like the way that they do that at the end. All right, go into the cabin, talk to Jim Nance. It, it feels... And, and then put the coat on? It feels weird. Yeah, you know what that, I'm yeah. saying? And then when they go outside, then they put it on again for yeah. the fans. Right. And that's the one I think they should tell about. Get rid of Butler. Yeah, really. uh, But it is tradition. Yeah. And that is very much like it is. And, you know, uh, I saw, who was it? Somebody, regardless, on Twitter, uh, as I was scrolling through during the end of the tournament, they were talking about, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of new and innovative ideas in terms of the television telecast. I'm okay with that with the Masters. Me too. I like new things. I like them trying new things. But for the Masters, just keep it what it is. Tradition is an okay thing, and I guess that maybe goes back to Butler Cabin. That's part of the That's tradition. That's part of the tradition. But boy, is it awkward. It is. A- am I wrong? No, no, you're right about that. No, that's... I've I've never cared for that presentation. I like it much better when they're outside and the fans are going, Sergio, Sergio. That's, that's so much better. The environment, I guess, that's around it, where the Butler Cabin is just so... It's so quiet yes. and pristine. Uh, I, th- I think when the tournament's over and the guy's, he's excited. He's got that adrenaline rush still going through his veins. And the fans are still excited. Mm-hmm. I, I would think you'd present it then. You know, that's, I, I, I get it. That's what they've always done, but you're right. It is, it, it's, it's awkward. Well, Jimmy B, as we uh, wrap things up here, just a couple minutes before we get to the top of the hour and finish things up. Uh, baseball tonight. Big yes. story with the Cubs and the Dodgers. Right. Rings. The, the presentation of the rings. And Jimmy B, did you see the diamonds in the rings? 108 diamonds for the number of years <laughs> that they have not won a World Series. That's okay. How do I get a hold of that ring? Yeah, well, they're not giving one to you. Oh, the only okay. way you're getting a hold of one is if you steal it, Jimmy B. I got you. We don't need you in prison. No, that's they not throw my you idea of a good like, time. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. No. Don't drop the soap. Yeah, boy. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. No, that's not my idea of a good time. So no. 108 uh, diamonds inside the ring, the presentation yeah. tonight. And with it, you know, a, a fun kickoff for Monday night. 
getting back to baseball, you know, I saw Sports Center this morning as I flipped it on getting ready and, you know, saw them, uh, they were doing live shots from Wrigley. Sure. Everything new down there. Yep. Uh, the new, what do they call they it? They call it the park. The park, yeah. Yeah. Right over there. It's the way that they have renovated that place. And I, last year, I didn't make it to a Cubs game, did make it to Wrigley once though. Went there for the Pearl Jam concert. Oh, yes. Well, right. that's that's more important than baseball. Oh, gosh, <laughs> gosh darn right about that. There is no doubt. Yeah. But, uh, you know, seeing just the development and everything that they've gone through, it it is so different. If you haven't been to Wrigley in a number of years, yeah. you will be amazed right. just at the different what look. What they've done. And uh, I'm excited about tonight. Yeah. It's a regular season game. I know Jimmy B that doesn't do a whole lot, but with a little extra popping circumstance, I'm still going to watch that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's sensational. I think it'll be nuts in the stadium, mm-hmm. and and rightfully so. It should be with yes. how long it took them. But this is, you know, this just doesn't happen. I mean, for the Cubs, look, if you're the St. Louis Cardinal fans, you're going ah. Hey, we won, what, four already in the last ten years or so? That's ah, no big deal to us anymore. Well, this is a different deal. It is. 108 years. My buddy Crackhead's going over. Crackhead's going? He's, he's on his way over he's right his... now as we speak. Oh, my gosh. He was able to uh, secure a ticket. A ticket. Good Standing room only. Yeah. I think it was still 200 bucks. That's what. But he's there. But he's there. Hey, he's there. If you're a devout fan and yep. that was on your bucket list, then that's something that you have to do. So we got that going on tonight. Dodgers and Cubs looking forward to that one. Also, uh, some more baseball going on. How about and... your little twins? Yay. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you're not, you know, ending the show. Twins, <laughs> twins, twins. You know, I'm surprised you're not doing that. Man. Well, got a little day baseball going on today. We'll, we'll see how that thing wraps up as, uh, they're getting ready for the Tigers. Yes. tomorrow uh but yeah uh fun start they did it though against the royals and against the white Sox. i can't get overly excited i'm five, happy about it five and one in first place uh, yes, yes. <laughs> if, if you don't know jim there's still 155 oh, to play are? yeah you mean yeah. there's only not like three or four left no and no they're in first no no oh, we still man. got a long ways to go the twins the twins the twins absolutely you got the twins going on how about the uh the d-backs off to a good start they so. are a lot of good baseball. We'll keep you up to date, obviously, on that and the local scene as we continue on here. Well, Jimmy B. We're done. We're out of time. All right. You want to do it again tomorrow at yeah, noon? Absolutely, pal. We will be here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Back again tomorrow. CBS Sports Radio is next. Duncan has new go-tos with great deals on two of your favorites, like two egg and cheese wraps for $2, two sausage egg and cheese wraps now for $3, Two bagels with cream cheese spread for $4 and two bacon, egg, and cheese croissants for $5. These deals pretty much prove you can never have too much of a good thing. Head to Dunkin' now for Dunkin' Go-To's. A great deal for two, three, four, or $5. America runs on Dunkin'. No substitutions, exclusions apply. Participation may vary. Must buy two.